Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Christopher Tyson, who is the executive director and CEO of Nova Minerals, who are a mineral minerals explorer and developer focused on gold and lithium projects in North America. Um, these projects include Nova Estelle Gold Project in Alaska, um, and the company's majority um, own Snow Lakes Resources, which is a lithium project in Canada. Um, Chris is a geologist by background with over 20 years experience, uh, managing advanced uh, complex and challenging resource projects across North America, Australia and Asia. Um, and he's worked for the likes of Newmont, Oxiana and Panos. Um, so he's got a good pedigree behind him. Um, so let's um, introduce Chris to the podcast so he can tell us a little bit more about his story um, and about Nova Minerals. So let's welcome Chris to the podcast. How are you doing, Chris? Hi, Rob. Good to see you today. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Appreciate your time as well. So um wondered if you can give our audience a little bit of background about yourself. Obviously, I've just mentioned a few companies that you work for and um, a few countries and continents that you've worked in. So I just wanted to give our audience a more overview of, of your background so people know who you are, what you've done in the past, um, and maybe even something that um, people out there may not know about you. Right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, actually, that that uh, what you just mentioned there, I heard, I heard the, the word 20 years. Uh, the, the years are flying, Rob. It's actually closer to 30 years <laughs> now. So anyway, but yeah, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm an economic geologist. And I'm actually from Alaska. This is where, where I'm from. This is, is my home here, which is ideal here now for the Stella Gold Project, which is right in my backyard. But I started working up here in Alaska on these intrusive related gold systems up, up here in, in uh, Fort, the, the uh, Fort Knox district, right across there from a, on, a, on a project called True North back in the day. Um, and but, uh, I, you know, I went to I went to school at, the, at the, the College of Mines down in Idaho, and I spent a lot of time in Nevada working on the uh, Carlin trend in, in Nevada with these very large bulk mineable company maker heap leach style operations with Newmont and Barrick down there. Uh, so, uh, and, and then after that, I went over to, uh, I spent a lot of time in Australia, right? I actually, got, I went to school there again with a master's degree at the Western Australia School of Mines. but spent a lot of time in Australia, mainly in, in Western Australia, in the gold fields around Kalgoorlie, right? I like to say I was reborn and rebred in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia. Uh, that was just a great experience working on a number of projects uh, as a contractor in those days. Um, uh, one of them would be uh, to, to, to name one would be the Karasu Dam project still going today. I see that, uh, you know, that was with a company called Sons of Gualia and uh, uh, Saracen uh, uh, Minerals took it over and then Northern Star took over Saracen. And that, that operation is still going today, the Karasuna. We opened up a whole new belt there. And then I spent a lot of time um, from there uh, in Southeast Asia. Uh, we're talking about Indonesia. That's the Batu Hijau Porphyry Copper Gold Deposit with Newmont. And a lot of time in Laos and Thailand. Uh, actually, I spent 12 years in Laos and in Thailand in that area there. 
um, with Sepon, the uh, uh, Copper Gold, and Panost, as you mentioned, also worked on a project in Thailand. And, uh, you know, the reason I spent so much time, it was one of those deals where, you know, you, you get that, okay, come over for six months, do a job 12 years later, right? Get that, <laughs> I get out of there. But, uh, you know, that's where I met my wife. So, you know, one of those deals, right? So, and uh, we're, we're still together, but the opportunity, uh, and we got four kids, but the opportunity came up at, at, at the end of those 12 years. There, I was just, you know, ready to come on home and get back to Alaska, get back to my family here. And the opportunity came up to, uh, to do a full circle and come back to Alaska and, uh, with the, you know, my Australian um, uh, uh, contacts and connections and, and this and that, I hooked up with Nova Minerals, which was perfect because, as I said, the Estelle Gold Project's right here in my backyard, and uh, that's what we're pushing forward. So my my specialty or my niche has really kind of uh, gone towards uh, taking projects from that resource stage and moving them into development, uh, and so that's really my, been my specialty, and it's, it's ideally suited for what we're trying to achieve here at Estelle. So Estelle... We're situated in this in the Tintina Gold Province here in Alaska. Now, this has been one of the most prolific belts uh, in recent times. Over 200 million ounces of uh, of discoveries and, and production here in in the last few decades. To name a few uh, other projects that you might have heard of was the Fort Knox Kinross up there in Fairbanks on the Yukon side. Victoria Gold, the Dublin Gulch project. Uh, uh, Pogo Northern Star is here in in uh, in, in the belt. Uh, also, Donlin Creek, that's the Nova Gold uh, Barrick deposit, 40 million ounces there. So 10 million plus ounce deposits, not uncommon in our neighborhood here. And that's what we're on to. So, you know, this belt, this is where the Alaska gold rushes happened, Rob, right? This is where the Klondike and all these Alaska gold rushes. Now we know where all that gold came from. And so this is the second or the third or the fourth or whatever it is now, Alaskan gold rush that's happening. And certainly in this rush and what that's happening now, uh, Nova Minerals is certainly a first mover there, right? So the Estelle Gold Project sits right on the end of that Tintina, right on the on the kind of western and, and, and southern side of that Tintina Gold Province. And what we have out there is 324 square kilometers of claims. And, you know, our work started in earnest back in 2019, where that was our maiden drill program and our maiden resource came out where we, where we defined it, it. It met and went way beyond even our expectations at that, at that stage where we defined a maiden resource of two and a half million ounces in 2019. Now, since that time, we've, uh, you know, we committed early on to being a, uh, uh, a year round operation. One of the, one of the, the uh, issues in Alaska with some of these projects is they don't commit to that year round operation, put in the capital to get those camps and that infrastructure in place. So you hear about them for like three or four months of the year, then they're gone, then they're gone. So we committed early on and we're a year round operation. We've just been drilling continuously since 2019. And what's that? What the result of that has been is that after a, a year, so in October 2020, uh, uh, we released an interim resource, which was uh, 3.3 million ounces. That was in October 2020. And then the most recent update for resources was in April 2021, just a, a month or so ago. And we and our resource now stands at 4.7 million ounces, right? And so in 18 months since the maiden resource, we've increased the resource by over 2 million ounces. And, uh, and in the last six months, by, uh, by, by a million ounces. So at this rate, every six months, we're increasing the resource by a million ounces. We hope that trend line continues. It certainly looks very promising with, uh, as I said, the drilling is going on right now. The rocks that we're pulling out are looking very good. And, uh, and, um, and, and so we're, we're on the trajectory here. This year, I got, uh, I got four rigs going. As opposed to last year, we only had two rigs. And so we're really ramping things up because we're on the fast track to production here, right? Uh, and 
at, at our core bell deposit. What, I, what, I'm, what, I, where, what our main focus has been and what I'm talking about where this resource is, is the core bell deposit. This represents only 2% of our total land holding out here. Across the claims, that 324 square kilometer claim block, there's another 15 prospects at various stages of advancement. Uh, and we're really unlocking the district here. And so we got a pipeline of projects that we're advancing. So the next cab off the rank, which uh, is the RPM prospect. This sits about 20 miles along mineralized strike from the Corbell prospect, from the Corbell deposit. And uh, I say mineralized strike because as you fly from Corbell south to RPM, that 20 miles there, uh, not much vegetation. When you look down there, there's just color anomalies screaming back at you. Some of these are named, uh, you know, prospect named uh, T5, the Stony Vein, uh, a train, uh, a shoe shine. These are some of the names you might see in our news flow. Uh, but all these unnamed, all these unnamed prospects are, are will be advancing as well. I got geological teams ready to go in July here to go down there, start advancing some of these prospects, and start naming and identifying new prospects. But RPM that sits 20 miles to the to the south of Corbell. Next cab off the rank, we have I have a drill pad there ready to go. The rig is mobilizing as we speak, and uh, what what we have there is is a is a dr an existing drill hole. 120 meters and over a gram and rock chip sampling, which we did last year at the end of last year, nine to 10 ounces per ton in those rock chips. Right. And we identified a new zone there as well. So we'll be drilling up to five to 10,000 meters here uh, with this drill program at RPM starting in the, in the, in the coming week or so. Uh, and what this will do then we'll release a maiden resource on RPM later this year as well. So this will add serious depth, to the Estella Gold Project. Now we'll, that'll open up another deposit. Now we'll have two deposits, which we'll be advancing as the uh, uh, as the year and years progress, right? So I don't even want to speculate yet how many millions of ounces at RPM, but uh, we're uh, very. It's looking very exciting, and so look for that uh, that maiden resource later in the year. Now at Corbell, that's our flag, flagship uh, 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 deposit here at uh, um, at, uh, at at the Estella Gold Project. We're at the status now. So this resource will be a, a, a major, a key component to the upcoming upcoming scoping study that we'll be releasing here in the coming months. So this will be the first look, uh, presenting to the market some kind of viable project, what the parameters are around a viable project, the scoping study we're coming out with. The other key pillar to the scoping study will be our metallurgical test work, which we've uh, uh, we started last year. And that was looking very good. You know, we've always uh, uh, imagined ourselves as our, uh, similar to our peers here in the neighborhood, Fort Knox, Dublin Gulch, a bulk mineable heap leach style operation. Now, what our test work has shown is that we're certainly still a bulk mineable. You know, I got 500 million tons of material out there that, that uh, constitutes that, that 4.7 million ounces. But now we're a bulk mineable milling operation, interestingly. And the reason for that is that our test work has shown that ore sorting, ore sorting, uh, it, it is works exceptionally well here. Now, ore sorting technology has come a long way in recent times. And what we're talking about is the XRT laser style ore sorting. What we're able to do with our uh, with, with our, our deposit at, at Estelle there is that uh, we our test work was was our initial test work there in the in was done on a on a half gram per ton material. When we put it through the ore sorter, we're able to upgrade that material up to 10 times. So we put in half gram material. It spit out the other side six grams per ton material. Now it, you know now now if that will be uh, what we'll do is try to capture more and more gold, as uh, much gold as we can possible. So at the end of the day, we might choose to have a larger mass full 
So more material and say, uh, take the two to three gram material, but significant upgrade. And so what, what that's done is led us towards a milling operation now, because it's like a funnel. We're able to concentrate this material so much through ore sorters initially, then through uh, gravity and flotation. And, and by the end, you have a very high grade concentrate uh, that you then intensively leach, right? And so, uh, you, you know, at, 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 that actually goes through the, the, the back end leaching circuit. So that's where the flow sheet is, uh, is taking us. We recently had a news release just a few weeks ago that's showing that flow sheet and kind of the direction that we're taking with that. Very, very, very exciting, you know, because I got, like I said, it's bulk mineable. I have 500 million tons. These are some of the most uh, uh, profitable mines in the world. These uh, relatively, you know, global, re and when you look at the global resource, relatively lower grade uh, bulk mineable plays here, right? So we're talking about uh, 20, 30 year mine life on these things. 10 million ounces are not uncommon for these type of deposits. Right from the surface, on the surface, um, uh, very low strip ratio, approaching zero. You know, uh, the uh, open pit, of course. Um, and so the, uh, the economics around that allow you to mine at such a low cutoff grade and, 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 uh, and, and very economic, very, very good. And so we intend to show that, that, that type of that initial look, that type of scenario in the upcoming uh, study that we're doing. And so um, it's a very, very, very exciting, exciting days ahead for us this year and beyond. As I said, we're a year-round operation. Now, being a year-round operation, the other thing about these about these um, uh, projects uh, in any remote project is, of course, infrastructure, right? You know, access and uh, and and power. So in that in that realm, we have so power. We have many options, many very good options. Uh, I mentioned Donlin Creek out to the west of us. They have a pipeline that they plan to build that, that'll pass about five miles to the north of us, a gas pipeline. So we'll be able to tap into that potentially. Uh, we're, we're we're talking with, with with them about about that. Also, there's a coal project uh, just to the uh, on the way to the project to the east of us, and so very low power there. Potentially, they're they're kind of moving into feasibility study now, so that's potential. We've looked at renewables. Uh, you know, I don't think to power the whole mine. Uh, that's some of the water or the the wind and, and solar doesn't look too too uh, feasible out here in Alaska environment. Anyway, maybe the camp we can uh, we can do some some hydro there, put a turbine in the river that runs next to the camp. Uh, but in terms of renewables geothermal just to the south of us right at the mount spur geothermal field those companies a couple of companies they're really progressing things there but we've been in discussions uh with them so that's potential some geothermal power and also we looked at, at you know the the typical diesel we've also looked at ammonia for hydrogen fuel cells that's not really coming in into its own right that technology is really advancing so lots of options there in terms of in terms of power now access what we what we have now is so we're remote remote side. We're 100 miles from uh, from about 80 miles from Anchorage, 100 miles from where I'm sitting here, and uh, we have a beautiful piece of infrastructure there. Uh, the, our airstrip, 4,000 foot plus in, uh, airstrip. We can bring in large aircraft, a DC three, another one we call the Casa there, one of these rear cargo doors. So that's how we service the project, bring in freight and uh, and larger freight in the in in the, in the summer and winter time. Uh, we have all the equipment out there to keep that that that, that strip cleared. Uh, we also have that's where our permanent camp sits right there at the airstrip. It's currently a, a 30 man camp. We're upgrading this year to be a 50 man camp right there. So that, but in in the um, in the winter time, we actually uh, operate the project via snow road. So very common in this part of the world, snow road. In fact, a uh, number of projects constructed and operate their mines only on snow road. Right uh, in, in, over in Canada, I'm thinking the coffee project is one of them. 
and so the snow road, this is how we bring in our large equipment, drill rigs, camp units, uh, you know, excavators, dozers, things like that. So, uh, you know, that window is about, it's about a three, four month window that we can use snow road. And we really utilize that time wisely and get stuff in there. Uh, but we've just completed for a year round uh, access road. Uh, we are advancing that that as well. And so this, this is called the West Susitna Access Road. And we're just one of many beneficiaries on that. There's a number of other resource projects out, out here that are on board with that. The borough here, that's, uh, you know, our, our borough, uh, local borough is very uh, pro the project. They want to, you know, get out there for, you know, recreation, hunting and fishing access. They want to uh, do land sales, uh, agricultural potential out there, fire breaks. You know, there's been some bad fires out in the valley there. Uh, in years past, they want to get out there and be able to do fire control. The state is very supportive of the project. It's part of their re- roads to resources uh, um, uh, uh, ma- ma- mandate that the, that the current governor is really pushing forward. You know, and what it'll do is it'll tie us into Port McKenzie, which just sits there right across from Anchorage, uh, the main city here in Alaska. Tie us into the major rail system, into the uh, Alaska highway system, and then uh, go out. And the terminus will be at, at the Estelle Gold Project. So. Uh, um, what that'll also do is, you know, Anchorage has a has a, a land problem in terms of being able to uh, expand. And so there's been through over the years, there's been uh, um, so much, much talk about building a short bridge over from Anchorage. You know, the, the the inlet there really narrows down and building a bridge over from Anchorage to uh, to come over to Port McKenzie and then open up all that land for urban sprawl and all kinds of economic t- activity that comes with that. So this road, that bridge would make a lot more sense with this road now. Right. So. Uh, because, as I said, the terminus is where we are, but there's so much other activity that can be along that road. So I'll just stop there, Rob. That, that's a bit of an over, overview. Yeah, no. Overview, overview. What I can, you, what you got? I can, I can, I can see, I can see your passion um, in the project. Um, and one thing I was going to ask: you mentioned obviously you're operating 12 months of the year, and it seems other other projects probably around are not working those 12 months. So what challenges are you having and how come how comes you can work 12 months of the year and obviously advance the projects more forward than other projects that are, are around you? As I said, you have to commit early on because you're not just talking, you know, you're talking about camps that have to be winterized. Uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, m- many, many preparations that have to be, be made to operate in the wintertime in Alaska. Now, once you've done that, so once you've done that, uh, it's, in many ways, it's a lot easier to operate in the winter. You can certainly get around a lot easier, right? You can use, we have snowcat vehicles, snowmob- uh, snow machines, and all types of vehicles that allow you to, to uh, access areas a lot easier. You know, it, the, the drilling is a little bit more expensive because you have to have your line heaters for water and this and that. But once you have that down, uh, you know, some, some drillers think it's some of the, the, the best drilling they've ever done, right? You just kind of huddle in your cabin in your cabin, they build around the rig there and, and, and off you go. So you have to prepare. It takes a lot of preparation. Once you've prepared and you're, you're suitably prepared, then, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's very pleasurable and very nice to, to operate in the wintertime here. So very cozy, very cozy. Um, you know, I think it, you have to commit to that early on, Rob. Now, mining operations, of course, go year round. But uh, um, a lot of these uh, these exploration and now uh, we're, we consider ourselves more of a development stage project. Do not. And of course, the resource that you have, the deposit that you have has to be a driver there as well. And so, you know, we're just so um, uh, blessed really to to have this uh, this Corbell deposit. Now, RPM is to have this project here, which the endowment is just 
huge. You know, we say amongst ourselves that we're not going home till we got 50 million ounces in the bag, right? So that 4.7 million ounces, that Corbell alone is only one small step to what we believe we have there. We think we're onto one of these 10 million ounce whoppers just at Corbell alone. And so the quality of your asset, of course, depends whether you do that early commitment. We saw the quality of this asset early on, and that's why we committed to that. So it takes commitment and, uh, and, and an asset and the type of asset you have. And so we certainly uh, ticked both of those boxes. Yeah. Um, you recently re- released the conceptual flow sheet. So I just wonder if you can uh, tell us a little bit about that. And obviously that's the expected pathway to production. Right. So yeah, what you see in that, in that flow sheet, again, this will be a key component and an input to this upcoming study. Now, uh, so the flow sheet it, it go, starts like this. In the beginning, you know, you, you mine at a very low cutoff grade. We're looking at mining at, say, 0.2 cutoff grade for an average grade of material that we put into the ore sorters of around 0.3 to 0.4, right? And so a, a, a possible scenario, 10, 10 million tons into the ore sorters, right, into, into the XRT laser ore sorters. What that'll then do is we'll dial in the ore sorters, and it works exceptionally well. Like I said, the reason for that is because the style of mineralization we're talking about Sheeted veins, uh, these intrusive related gold systems, very homogenous style of mineralization, right? Very homogenous, not, a, not a, only two, two, two types of material, waste and ore, basically, right? So no, uh, uh, the complexity of the geology is very, very, very minimal. Sheeted veins, all going the same direction, not a complex stockwork of veins. So one orientation, where you get the higher vein density is where you get the higher uh, 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 grades. You know, sometimes we intersect zones up to an ounce per ton within that. So the the, the challenge is when we uh, the ore body, these sheeted veins, very discrete, very sharp, very distinct mineralization in there, mineralogy in there, quartz, arsenal, pyrite. You know, the association with uh, arsenic very strong. And uh, so the challenge is when you look at the ore body just visually, it's like how do I get those those veins out? Because when we selectively sample those veins. We know these are bonanza grades, right? This is where we get the nine, 10 ounces per ton, several ounces per ton when we selectively sample those. So you look at it, you, you, you think to yourself logically, how can I separate those out to really concentrate this thing? Well, we have the answer. This is the, uh, the, the, the ore sorting, right? And so 10 million tons in, let's say, for example, 10, we, we mine 10 million tons in the ore sorter. At a, what, what we're looking at is that I, I said the, the ore sorters can upgrade up to six gram per ton. Now that's at about, a 5% mass pull, right? And so that, that captures about 60% of the gold, say, right? So what we want to do is capture, you know, as much of the gold as we can, 80, 90% of the gold out of that ore sorting process. So 10 million tons in, 50, what we're seeing is that we can collect 50% of that material and it'll run about two grams per ton. So that's probably, you know, it, the decision is where do we, where do we, where do we put, where do we put that, that, that line? When does, Putting, you know, where does that, where, where does it become not an economic anymore? Like how, how, how much mass pull do you do? But it's looking at about 50% of material gets collected at about two grams per ton. So we put in 0.3, we get two grams at two to three grams out the other side. That'll then go into the milling circuit and we'll, we'll mill it. We're getting very good results in gravity, but also in flotation. Very good. Remember there's the arsenal pyrite association. And so we can mill a bit coarser. And then uh, put it through the uh, flotation. Very common off-the-shelf reagents. Nothing, nothing complicated with the flotation process we're looking at. Uh, and uh, th- so through flotation and gravity, 
uh, we'll do, uh, uh, you, we'll get, uh, we're getting over, you know, 98%, 95 to 98% recovery through those circuits. And then, and then you concentrate that. So that's a, another concentrate. So now you've really uh, brought it down to about 5% of the, the total material that 10, 10 million tons has come down to say a half a million tons, five to 10% of the material. Uh, uh, but that material is running extremely high grade. We're talking about 12 to 15 grams per ton uh, of that concentrate, which then goes into uh, uh, an intensive leach, an intensive leach, because of the amount of material you're talking about is so little, is, is, is much less than that original 10 million tons you mine. Uh, you can intensively really hit it hard with a, a strong, a very strong leach. And so the cost would not blow out because it's such a limited amount of material, but very high grade concentrate. And then from that, we get up to, uh, you know, 95% recovery, all, still honing in those numbers and, and a bit of test work still going on, but that'll all be released in the study. So that makes for a very, uh, you know, that, that makes for a profitable operation. And that's what we uh, intend to start showing here uh, this year. Yes, certainly. Um, your latest uh, resource update in April uh, 2021, so only uh, a few months ago, included drilling to the end of tw uh, 2020, um, which showed Corbell, Maine, more than doubled in 18 months. Um, your drilling has obviously continued nonstop since then, um, with obviously results pending. Um, do you think it will sort of grow further? Oh, yeah. So the deposit remains, the answer there is a very strong, resounding yes. So the deposit remains wide open in, in uh, you know, wide open, especially along strike and to the west, right? And down and 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 down dip. So, you know, we, we the the dilemma here, Rob, is like where where do you this thing just remains wide open? How how long do you drill? I could drill for the next two years, three years, five years, five million ounces, ten million ounces. Where where does where does this end? So we're we're an aspiring gold producer. We want to be the next low cost gold producer in Alaska. That's our objective. That's our strategy. And, you know, we're not here to play the market or uh, be a lifestyle company. We want to be an aspiring gold producer. So hence, we're really uh, very aggressive on this path to production and, and really on the fast track. Now, yes, it'll grow larger. So one of the, one, you know, one of the, we're, we're drilling now. There's more results coming out in the, in the coming weeks as well. In fact, I just saw some preliminary results uh, just uh, t th this morning. So those will be released very shortly from the, the ongoing drilling since, since 2021. Yeah, so one of the reasons why we haven't had a lot of results coming out is because on site we're always looking to cut costs. We we take we take all of our samples, so ten kilos per sample, and we send it off site to the commercial labs to prep it and uh, to, uh, to to analyze it. What we've done is we're talking about committing to infrastructure. We're putting an on site prep lab so that we can reduce that ten kilos that we send off site per sample down to two hundred and fifty grams. So what that'll do will uh, uh, obviously save a lot on freight on freight costs, but also we had issues. Uh, uh, we've had issues last year with the these commercial labs are just swamped with work. Some of the some of our results, the turnaround time was four to five months, Rob. Right, four to five months, if you can believe it. And so doing that on site prep ourselves will alleviate some of these turnaround times. You know, it'll be weeks, not months. Now that's what we're. Uh, that's what, so that that's probably the biggest thing. And so, uh, yes, and that's what you'll start to see, that the resource will absolutely uh, uh, continue to increase at, at this rate. As I said, the 4.7 million ounces is only a small step to what we believe we have at Corbell, 10 million ounces, at least. We believe we're on to, onto one of these things. Along Corbell, Maine, this, is, this deposit at Corbell is what we call Corbell, Maine, right? So we're, we're currently drilling infill, infill drilling to get some of these resources uh, proved up into the measured and indicated categories. And also we're drilling step out. So to the Southeast, 
that's that's was one of our better higher grade zones. We believe this is where a starter pit will 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 uh, will will be. We're stepping out there, you know, hundreds of meters. The current strike length of the uh, deposit is 1.8 kilometers. That's the current strike length, and so we we plan to expand extend that well beyond two kilometers uh, with with this year's drilling. Uh, but also, that's Corbell main deposit. The the Corbell Valley system is much larger than that. There's a number of other anomalies, which, uh, you know, Corbell, Maine constitutes what we initially called block A and block B. These are geophysical anomalies, IP chargeability, one of the most, the best tools that we've used for targeting. And so block A and block B converged with our drilling to become Corbell, Maine. Now throughout the Corbell Valley, there's other uh, anomalies, block C, block D, the Isabella block to the north, uh, the U Beauty block to the south and south, uh, moving to the southwest, Cathedral off to the west of Corbell, Maine. Uh, so all of these potentially at the end of the day will converge into a much larger system, right? So the Corbell Valley has huge potential uh, just in its own right. And right now, currently, uh, there's three drill rigs there, so two diamond rigs and one RC rig in the Corbell Valley. And then the third rig is going to RPM. And we discussed that previously. Uh, that'll add to the resource inventory as well. So at Corbell, it'll grow. And there's a we have a planned, in addition to that maiden resource at RPM that we'll have coming out later this year, we'll have another resource update for Corbell coming out later this year as well, incorporating all this drilling we've been doing since the end of two, uh, 2020. So yeah, definitely look for that, uh, for Corbell to grow, as well as at, at putting a... Um, at, at RPM in the in the resource inventory as well. Yeah, uh, wonder if you can just give us a, an overview of the drilling that's planned for all of obviously those those areas: Isabella, Ubuti, Cathedral, um, and some of the other targets throughout the Corbell Valley. Right. So we'll continue to expand Corbell, Maine. Right. Uh, and we have drilling planned at the uh, so one rig on infill, one one rig on uh, on step out at Corbell, Maine. You know, you got you got to go with what you got and keep expanding that. But also we have drill pads ready to go at Cathedral. The Cathedral Prospect has, um, uh, we did rock sampling there as well uh, at the end of last year, several ounces per ton, uh, very strong color anomaly, very close to Corbell, Maine. We believe Cathedral could be the actual core feeder of the Corbell Valley mineralized system. And so we'll be drilling that this year uh, there. So, so that, that, that'll be Corbell Valley. Also drilling at RPM, as I said, five to 10,000 meters. And then I need to get another drill rig. Drill rigs are, are, are hard to come by, but uh, I'm already I'm already in talks to, with the uh, our drilling company to source another drill rig potentially for this year. But it's such a long lead time. Even if I get it next year, I'll be pretty happy. But they'll you know we have plans on the car looking forward to get another drill rig. We just don't have enough rigs to to hit this thing. So, but then you know there's that. But then of course we'll get those geological teams on the ground to start advancing these other projects to drill ready stage. Uh, you know, uh, so that'll start in July, that work, do the rock sampling, uh, the rock chip sampling, the mapping to start advancing some of these others that I, that I mentioned. And so those will be drill ready for next year. So at Corbell, uh, up to 50,000 meters of drilling this year, because uh, we'll advance from this study, the scoping study we're doing now that'll be released in the coming months. We're, we're just going straight into PFS, Rob, right? Straight into PFS. Our schedule is a uh, scoping study this year, continue drilling nonstop into the foreseeable future, 2022, 2023, PFS, 2023, 2024, our feasibility study, some kind of decision to mine by 2023, 2024, and uh, 2024, 2025. And we'd like to be digging up the first dirt, first gold pour by 2025, 2026. Certainly aggressive. 
But at this rate, we're on, we're onto that. One of the main uh, 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 one of the main issues you always have to look at is permitting, right? And so what we think is we're up in up in the Alpine territory there in a nice valley. They're very contained, actually, very good for uh, containing water and uh, environmental reasons and water control. But uh, we we don't we don't impact much wetlands, right? Not much wetlands up there. And so what this allows us to do, what we believe and we're pushing towards, is uh, when it comes to permitting, is to complete an EA as opposed to a full-blown EIS, right? So an environmental assessment as opposed to the full-blown EIS. The main factor for that is how much wetlands you impact. So the EA process is much more streamlined, requires less time, less resources, uh, less uh, uh, you know, uh, bureaucracy, let's call it, that you have to uh, go through. And so we're really pushing towards that. That'll be a big, big uh, um, a fa- factor in us in us achieving our our our, our uh, goals, our timeline here, right? So that's the uh, completing EA as opposed to an EIS. So, um, so so there you go. That's that's our that's our um, that's our timeline. That's our timeline. Yeah, um, you've got fifteen other known gold prospects within the Estella Gold uh, Project claims. Um, located in the Tatina Gold Province of Alaska. Um, can you tell us more about the region um, and how Nova is placed within it? Right, so Nova is uh, the Estella Gold Project. It's a, there's a mineralized corridor there. That's why you know I say from Corbell to RPM, they're, they're 20 miles along mineralized strikes. There's that mineralized corridor there the, the, uh, of these mineralized intrusive. And so uh, what we have, we're situated here uh, of course, the intrusive-related gold system is the, our primary target there at Corbell. But to the south of us is uh, a is, epith- is an epithermal-style project. It's called the Terra Gold Project. A couple million ounces there. These epithermal-style deposits are very high-grade. You know, very very high-grade, hundreds of, of of grams per ton in some of these samples. And that's we believe that that style of mineralization is overprinting what we have at the intrusive related system at RPM, which is why we see those much higher grades down there when we do the sampling. Like I said, nine to 10 ounces per ton and 120 meters at over a gram and the drilling will be following, that will be following up. So that's to the South. So we have the intrusive related gold system primarily in our, in our uh, uh, across our claims in our district, but an epithermal style system overprinting to the South. And then to the West of us, or sorry, to the East of us is a very large, Porphyry Copper Gold Project called the Whistler Project, right? And uh, so, what we're all, we also have porphyry uh, copper gold potential overprinting uh, in the kind of the center of our uh, of, of of our of our claims there. So, uh, gold intrusive related gold for sure, epithermal gold uh, as well to the south, and porphyry style mineralization gold and base metals, copper mainly uh, in the center. So, very well situated, very uh, very you know we've been focused on the gold. We do. We do when we do our uh, exploration. We do sample for copper, and we are getting some copper readings uh, there uh, in copper observations in the in the uh, in the in mainly in the center of our claims. But um, so there's more than just gold. We're focused on the gold right now for now with, with Corbell and RPM happening. But certainly as the years progress and we continue our exploration, we'll be on the lookout for uh, for other um, uh, other uh, commodities. Yeah. Um, what sets you apart from your peers and obviously neighboring um, projects and resources around where you are? Um, and why should investors consider investing in Nova Minerals? The jurisdiction would be one, Rob. So being in Alaska, we, you know, Alaska uh, very, very uh, always ranks in the top five of uh, preferable jurisdictions when you ask 
industry professional CEOs, directors, uh, where, where they want to do business. Alaska always is a top rank, very pro mining, uh, very, very, um, um, you know, pro, we're, we're, we're a resource economy up here, right? You know, it's all about oil, mining, natural resources, timber, fishing, all, all of these things. So uh, the jurisdiction would be one. Also our tenure, right? So one, one thing about our tenure is we're all on state mining claims. We don't have federal mining claims. We don't have a native title or a, a native corporation land. You know, in Alaska, you don't have native title issues as you do in Canada and Australia. It, just to, to be to be clear there, you know, we had a the Native Title Corporation Act, which was already settled back in the 60s, uh, which is, uh, you know, all that land's already been allocated. So there's no native title as such, uh, just for your listeners to know in Alaska. But so but we don't have we're not on native corporation land. We're not on federal land. We're on state land. And what that means is that, you know, I, I, I talked about the EA process. Uh, what that means is we deal mainly with state, with state authorities and with the pro mining jurisdiction. It's certainly a more streamlined, uh, relatively more straightforward to navigate that type of uh, permitting very and a very supportive regime. So that, that, that would be that would be one. Uh, the, other, the other thing is, I think the value, you know, there's there's, there's near term and, uh, and long, medium and long term value here. Certainly in the short term, there's been, uh, just with all gold stocks, you know, a bit of a kind of a hiatus. The, the, the stocks are a bit flat. I think there's a near-term opportunity here, especially with all this news flow we're, we're coming out. There'll be a re-rate in Nova. We got the flow sheet. The study's coming up. Uh, we have these um, uh, uh, the drilling results starting to come out from some of this infill drilling uh, that we've been doing. Certainly, the geology looks very good there. You, we'll, we'll see what the results are. Uh, uh, we have... Um, the resource, the maiden resource coming out for uh, RPM, another resource uh, 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 update for the Corbell deposit, some of these other projects uh, uh, across the claims to be advanced, all that new flow coming out here in the near term, this, you know, within the, the coming weeks and months this term. So re-rate, uh, uh, that's a, 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 um, a re-rate coming in a near term opportunity, medium to longer term. Look at the upside here at, at, at Estelle, 4.7 million ounces at Corbell alone, RPM comp coming online and advancing these other prospects, unlocking a district. We're at a district scale here. So uh, the, uh, the upside into the pursuit, for there's, you know, there's no uh, uh, sky's the limit, sky's the limit, basically. And so uh, that would be some of the reasons why uh, um, you're, you know, the, our, our resource, we're very undervalued compared to some of our peers. You know, our, our resources are valued at $50 per ounce, or just, uh, you know, $50 per ounce. Some of our peers are over $100 per ounce. So there's an opportunity there. And I, we think this next move in the shares will definitely, uh, you'll start to see that, that uh, valuation move up, just to, to start to move up. You know, we're one of the lowest cost uh, uh, drillers. Our, our, our discovery cost right now, uh, we just did it the other day, is about $3 per discovery ounce. Compare that to a benchmark over in Kalgoorlie in Australia, where the average cost of drilling is $190 per meter, right? So our peers in the area certainly are not drilling for that. And that has to do with committing early on, having that infrastructure in place and our systems in place to be able to really uh, keep those costs down. Now with this prep lab coming on board and some of the other improvements we're doing, we'll be able to bring those costs down even further. So the cost structure that we're dealing with, the uh, the um, uh, jurisdictional knowledge, me being, I'm from here, me being a local, local management, uh, and we set up the whole team. You know, one of our, our, our mission is basically responsible development, locally sourced, and I'm talking about supplies and employment and, uh, and, and our teams and everything as locally as much as we can, as well as, and then our third uh, a key uh, mission is uh, aggressive, aggressive growth, aggressive growth. So that, that, those are the, some of the key reasons why uh, you know, someone will look at 
at, at Nova, at, at Nova as a potential uh, um, ad, 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 investment. Yeah, certainly, and I'll be watching watching you closely as well. Um, Nova, obviously, Nova Minerals have a strategic investment outside the gold space. Um, that is very, very exciting um, in its own right. In particular, lithium project um, and the stake in Rotor X aircraft company. Um, just wondered if you can tell us a little more about about those. Yes, so the lithium project. You know, we just had a news release yesterday. Eleven point one million tons at one percent lithium, right? So if you look at, and so we're looking to spin that company out to get full value for that for that project in its own right. This is a very hot space. You know, there's been uh, billion dollar deals, multi hundred million dollar deals uh, with lithium companies recently, and uh, we we believe that the valuation on Snow Lake Resources in its own right went spun out here in a, very very soon. Actually, that that process is going out right now. Uh, is going on right now to spin uh, um, uh, Snow Lake Resources out. Uh, Nova's a 74% majority shareholder of that. And so we'll get full value for our shareholders for that. So the lithium project is in Manitoba, Canada. Uh, situated, think think the uh, the recent Piedmont Tesla deal. And so our resources, spodumene, hard rock, lithium, our resources are similar to Piedmont. Actually, uh, much uh, our, the quality of our, ore party, of our ore body is actually better, we believe. But so we're right on. So we 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 believe that uh, similar deals uh, are possible with our our with all the all these vehicle makers, all these car makers going into that EV type vehicle space, as well as uh, not just vehicles, aircraft, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, so we're right on the air uh, uh, in Manitoba, Canada. We're able to source power. Hydropower is big there, so we'll be in production here. Very low carbon type operation with the hydropower review right on the rail line. So we'll, we're, we have access to uh, the uh, auto alley through uh, North America in the in the North American rail system uh, uh, right there. Also, the, uh, the with the rail line there also extends north to the port of Churchill. We've talked to the Europeans. They're interested in our product. All right. Whether it be uh, the the actual uh, the, the actual six, uh, the, the actual lithium raw material offtake DSO type direct shipping or or we're also looking at. Uh, doing uh, value adding with a uh, a concentrator, uh, a six producing a six percent concentrate uh, on, on on our own. So we're looking at different different options to down the value chain as well. So North American market, European market out the port of Churchill. Also, there's a uh, uh, one of the most significant um, uh, past lithium and tantalum producers is right to the south of us. This is the Tanko mine, uh, and, and a Chinese consortium recently took them over. Uh, to restart that lithium concentrator that they have there, but their their problem is they have no ore. So we're the most advanced resource project, lithium resource project in the area, and it's right on the rail line. You basically you can do direct shipping ore, take it from Snow Lake, put it on the rail line, ship it straight down to them. They can lithium concentrate. The beauty of it is that this 11 million tons that we have so far, it it's only on one dike, right? One dike that still remains open. These dikes, these uh, pegmatite dikes, uh, are uh, you know they exist in swarms. So we already know of, of 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 two or three other dikes right nearby that um, that that dike we have the resource that the TBL one dike that we have the resource we have TBL two TBL three already identified with some uh, uh, already identified so that'll add to the resource. There's a number of other dike systems, the Sherritt Gordon dike system on on the property and 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 others that we're looking into. So the upside at Snow Lake is very large as well. You know we believe at the end of the day once we commit more drilling after this listing. Uh, 20, 30 million tons, 
at uh, of, of lithium out there. And so we have the resources to be able to supply all those markets that I mentioned, North America, Europe, uh, the Tanko mine potentially, and uh, have value adding uh, down, down the chain that, 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 that we do ourselves, whether it's a lithium concentrator or down the line even more uh, uh, to hydroxide type, type, type production, looking at all of that, looking at all of that. And so that, um, that's very exciting for us. And uh, like I said, we'll be spinning that out into a separate listing in, uh, in, 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 in the U.S. And so then you also mentioned Rotorex. So Rot- Rotorex is an interesting one, very exciting one. So we got involved with Rotorex in the early days because we use a lot of helicopters here in, uh, at the Estelle Gold Project. And so we're always looking to reduce our costs there. And so we, uh, uh, we got involved with, with Rotorex, actually the precursor to, to Rotorex or the guys that took over uh, what, 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 what is now Rotorex. And they were developed to, to, to develop a, uh, these guys are, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, aer- aer- aerospace and en- en- engineers, they develop aircraft. And so we're looking at a heavy lift, multi-rotor type, type, uh, uh, um, uh, copter type, type helicopter. The benefits of these is cheaper to build, uh, much more stable, much more fuel efficient. Uh, plus there, uh, plus you can, you know, it doesn't have all the, uh, uh, insurances and things that, that, that a, uh, that, a, that a, a contract style helicopter does, you can really bring down the cost. And so that, and so the opportunity arose for, uh, and so we, we looked at, de- we we're looking at developing that with this group of aer- aerospace engineers. And the opportunity arose, there was a company called Rotorway. And Rotorway was, is a, you know, have you ever seen the Jetsons? You know, that vehicle that, that they used to fly around? Rotorway was the company that that, uh, that that helicopter is designed after. They actually produced that in the 60s. Right, so that that's Rotaway, one of the first helicopter companies in the world. Uh, started in the 50s, 60s, 70s. So, but that company, you know, the the founder died, and that company kind of went into uh, in the in the 90s. The Chinese kind of took over it. They they kind of tried to take the plans and make it over in China. They disappeared. So the company was high and dry. One of the, one of those stories, kind of sad story, because very historically profound company actually. And they, they were sitting there and. The landlord where the factory was, was just trying to go like, look, I'm not in the helicopter business. Someone just come, you know, pay me the rent and take over. And so that opportunity, once in a lifetime opportunity came up. Of course, these guys are aerospace engineers. They saw that and they took over Rotaway. And we, uh, to, and with that factory, they'll be able to develop this, these helicopters, these drone, uh, they can be autonomous as well as manned, uh, pro, uh, uh, they can develop that much quicker and cheaper with that factory. Plus, there's already existing business there, and so we provided a loan to Rotorex to be able to do that deal, and that loan will start to get paid back next year's plus interest. So we're we're out of we're out of no money basically, uh, and and we got that nine per nine percent stake interest in Rotorex. Now they are set, so they really fired things up in December last year. They already have an existing business. They'll be doing up to ten million. Uh, um, th- these helicopters are all over the world. The existing helicopter. Uh, the Rotorex A600, right? You can go to their go to their website, and so there, uh, uh, ranchers and in those uh, in, in Australia, there's thousands of them across the world. So they already have a parts business. So they started up the parts business. They're uh, per, you know selling you know one, two, three, sometimes three helicopters of these a week. So it, the sales, looking at revenue, will be ten million dollars um, this year, and then progressing the the three year forecast is uh, uh, up to forty million dollars coming out once these uh, heavy lift drones are developed. And there's a big air show coming up in July, where we'll be rolling out. They'll be rolling out the uh, the transporter, these larger aircraft, as well as both the transporter and the existing helicopter. will will be moving, at having an EV version, right? 
So having an electric version, this is very important. You know, this has been a very, very big, exciting space as well. Some of these deals for these electric uh, 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 aircraft have been multi-billion dollar deals as, uh, as, as well. Jovi's one, Volocopter's one. And so uh, what, what this brings is, so there's the commercial space, what we're interested in, uh, but there's also this electric space. This is bringing, uh, you know, air mobility to, to, to the urban environment, right? So there's a lot of interest in, to get away from all the traffic in some of these crazy cities, Imagine you have an electric helicopter there on the top of your building. And you can just jump from meet, meeting to meeting, right? Real easy, you know, jump over and, uh, uh, and, and go from meeting to meeting with these electric helicopters. No carbon, all that. Uh, so great. The, the larger versions will be uh, uh, electric as well. So now you have the bus station or, or, or something in, in the city. Now you'll have the, uh, the uh, you know, the rotocopter station. So uh, the uh, ours has, has collapsible arms where the the, the four uh, um, rotors come out so you know very, you can put it into a connex basically and so instead of a bus people will go to the copter station right the and they'll, they'll hop on that jump from suburb to suburb without you know avoid all the traffic uh and 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 this and that and so you'll probably still need the jet jetpack to move around in that in the cbd but but you know it very exciting right and so this is where where uh, this type of transportation is where uh, the this the urban environment is going and so that's what the electric helicopters are, are, are for so keep an eye on on uh on rotorex we, we plan to list that at some point in the future as well right now it's just you know privately held but uh very good opportunity and and looking to pay off uh, uh, uh and it's uh, looking to pay off for nova as well uh now already and 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 more so in, in the future yeah i'm I'm, ju- I'm just picturing myself getting in in one of those and 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 moving from building to building and <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a, the one they make now. It's a two manner, two man. So you know, he either flies himself, or you got the you got the 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 pilot there, and he's got to go to a uh, somebody's got to go to a meeting, and they just drop him off over here. There, you don't have to go down. Don't have to go down the elevator. Don't have to get. Don't have to call Uber or whatever it is. You know, that's, that's, just imagine to get to get to meetings yeah. or whatever. People, you know, now there's the Zoom thing like we're doing here, but uh, you know, people want to face to face. You got when you seal a deal, you know, you kind of want to be face to face. And so that takes hours sometimes just to get across town. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a couple more questions. You are very passionate about Nova Minerals, as you can see and as you can hear, um, obviously, the people that listen to the podcast. Um, you've worked on many projects around the world, as we're obviously, as you mentioned in the introduction. What makes this project different and probably better than some of the other projects that you've been involved in. And obviously some of the projects that you've been involved in have sort of gone quite, quite big, still, still in operation now. What, what makes this more exciting for, you, for yourself um, compared to obviously all the projects that you've been working on? Well, you know, personally, the, the location, right? So per- personally for me and me and my, my family, uh, uh, the location, right? So, and, and just that in terms of jurisdiction, but to also being here, I'm more comfortable in the cold of our environment, Rob. I spent years in the tropics and it's great, but uh, taking it out of me. Now, I, I get more energy when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in this type of environment. And so personally, I just, I, I personally feel better in this type of environment, but the, uh, in, in terms of the size and scale of these intrusive related gold systems, relatively new type of deposit style, right? It's only been around for a few decades. And so the geometry of these of these things, you know, the complex the complexity is very minimal. I said, you know, it's very homogeneous. The geometry of them, so you're not rooting around searching for these veins, uh, uh, looking around. 
the geometry is like a big blob. It's like a, a, a elliptic, a, ellipsoid shape, right? You know, like a, and so when, when you come to mine it, it's, uh, it's, it's not as complex. The grade control is more simple. Well, it will be more simple. The uh, stockpile management will be more simple. Like I said, I'll just be ore and waste. The only, you know, what, you're, what you'll basically be looking for is the ore waste boundary, not whether this material type has carbon in it or this type of sulfide or that, it has to go stockpile. These things are very costly, very time-consuming endeavors in mines. And so moving this into production, uh, uh, all, all of these uh, um, you know, parameters and, and logistics around that uh, will, you know, will, will be less of a headache I, I envision. Also, very, you know, Corbell anyway, very clean ore body. I say clean in terms of no deleterious copper that we see, uh, just gold. Just gold, you know, and uh, gold that can be liberated and recovered, as I said, over 90%. And uh, the simplicity of how this one's shaping out uh, and the size and the scale. And that it just seems to be no end in sight. You know, it's wide open and it's not. And, and, and Corbell is just one of many. And so uh, unlocking a district, the opportunity to unlock a district, a lot of, you know, of, um, uh, of these projects that I've worked on. Uh, you, you've certainly, you know, there've been districts around, but I've been, involved, been involved in one particular uh, project or deposit area. Now we have a whole new. This is the Carlin trend of the North. We like to look at it as, and so it, it's a it's a district play, as well as uh, we're we're the first movers, and so we're developing it. World class deposits that we're seeing, and the opportunity to develop this into a world class uh, producer. So uh, that that would be my take on it. Yeah, um, and as a conclusion. I just want to let you conclude um, on Nova Minerals and obviously the outlook um, for for the company over, I suppose, the short to medium term. Right. So, you know, I, I, as we said, Rob, I, I've stopped giving any investment investment advice, but I think we can all agree that the uh, you know uh, the the economic, the financial system, and the economics in the world is a bit chaotic to say to say the least. So. This could be, you know, one of the last chances to get some cheap, some cheap gold. Gold's been money for five thousand years, uh, and it will continue to be money. And so, certainly to secure your wealth, uh, gold would would you know could be something to look at. The way to leverage yourself against that uh, against uh, to that is to look at companies like Nova Minerals. I think I've laid out today. Uh, hope I've laid out today uh, a very a very uh, good opportunity to be able to do that. And so, Nova Minerals is just getting started. The best is yet to come. We've uh, in such a short period of time, we've uh, increased our resources. Like I said, at this rate, every six months, increasing the resource by a million ounces. We, we, we believe that trend line will continue now with RPM and another deposit coming on board. Uh, we believe that will continue. So one small step to 10 million ounces in the um, in the in the medium term. Uh, and um, and then beyond that, the sky's the sky's the limit. So and the strategic investments we talked about. There's going to be big value coming out out of the lithium with everything moving towards uh, uh, the EV and uh, also some of these other strategic investments we looked at. So we're a gold company primarily, but we're more than that. And uh, put us on your radar uh, as we as in, join us on this uh, you know join us on this journey to uh, to uh, on the path to production here uh, with a world class with a world class project. 
Yes, certainly. Um, you definitely gave a, a compelling story there, and I'll certainly be watching uh, watching your journey as well. So, um, if our audience wants to, or audience listen to the podcast, or those that are watching on the YouTube channel, um, if they want to get in contact with you, how can they go about doing that? Are you on any social media platforms, etc.? We we are. So I I I don't personally run that, but we do have social media. Our our executive director Louis Simmons usually. Uh, uh, so yeah, you'll just go to Nova Minerals and you'll see it. You know, I'm not a big social media user myself. So I don't know. You go to Twitter or uh, I think you just type in Nova Mineral. We're on all of them. He does them all. So I, 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 I do know that. And, and to get in contact with us, we'll direct it in the right direction. It's just info at novaminerals.com.au. That's an email. And so uh, those will be directed to the uh, appropriate, whatever the, the question entails. And uh, I try to do, you know, uh, this is another reason how I communicate. This is another uh, way I communicate. These type of podcasts, Robin, I really appreciate you having us. And now you know about Alaska, and now you got a reason to come up. So come on up. We're glad to have you. Certainly. And, and, and I can use one of your um, helicopters. Absolutely. To, uh, to get me there. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if they're, I'm not sure if they'll be able to fly from the UK to, uh, to Alaska. But, you got to do a few hops, sure. but you'll get here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Chris, really appreciate you uh, taking the, the audience um, um, a story about obviously Nova Minerals. Um, it's certainly, like I said, a compelling story, an exciting adventure as well. You're passionate about about the project um, and what a, a scale of a project that you can um, develop this resource into. So um, I wish you well in the future. Uh, maybe you can come on to the uh, podcast next year and give us an update. Um, and for those that are listening to the podcast, appreciate if you can uh, share share this episode amongst friends, family, et cetera, especially if you're in um, Alaska or even the Canadian region, but anywhere across the world um, to obviously understand and hear more about what Nova Minerals are, are doing. Um, those that are watching on the YouTube channel, I appreciate if you can um, share and like um, below. Um, and even if you are listening to this on the podcast, why don't you hop over to the YouTube channel um, so you can actually watch this on um, on video because um, Chris has actually got a nice background of uh, of, of Nova Minerals logo plus uh, one of his drill rigs. Um, so yeah, appreciate it. And he's pointing at it now. So um, yeah, have a look at have a look at the YouTube channel as well. I really appreciate that. So um, Chris. Thank you for um, giving us an overview of uh, Nova Minerals um, and audience. I hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy listening to this uh, episode. I certainly uh, certainly got a lot from it, and I'm um, look forward to uh, the exciting journey that Nova Minerals um, is on. So, until next time, happy mining! Thanks for listening to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. If there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests, then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining!